Um, we're going to continue in our series, um, Base Camp, and as we, as we continue on in this, I, I want to tell you that uh, I learned some new stuff this week. Hopefully, you guys learned some new stuff as well, but as I've studied, I, I don't know if anyone else gets into the sermon series as much as I do because I'm always thinking about it and always, you know, writing and coming up with things, but, but the more that I've looked at the idea of Base Camp this week, um, the more I was kind of drawn to the idea of climbing Mount Everest. Okay, now I'm, not, I'm probably not going to do that. Pro- I'm saying probably because I want to leave myself a little wiggle room in case I change my mind, right? Uh, I, I probably can't do that. <laughs> not in, my, in the way I'm currently constructed, let's say it that way. But, but as I studied more this week, um, I just kind of became more and more fascinated with learning more about the climb to Mount Everest. And one of the things that I learned that I think uh, even maybe makes this base camp thing more um, important and real to me is, is I've always thought that you just had a base camp and then you went from there. But as I studied, I learned that if you climb Mount Everest, there are actually multiple base camps along the way because as it's such a long journey, depending on who you go with or what expedition you take, it can take 63 days your journey to climb Mount Everest. And so in that time, um, there, there are all these different base camps and you'll climb for a while and then you stop at a base camp because as you're going up in elevation, your body has to acclimate um, to the surroundings because you're, the, the air is getting thinner and thinner. And so what you'll do is you'll climb for a day and then you'll stop and you'll stay at base camp for a few days as you regroup, as your body gets used to it, as you continue to make your plan and then you go further. And so, you know, this idea, it's not just returning to base camp every once in a while. It's that that we constantly, even as we journey closer to the end of our, our, um, our journey, our path to holiness, we need time to come back to the foundations of our faith, to come back to base camp, and to really focus in and allow ourselves to continue to our, ourselves to be prepared for the journey. And so here we are at base camp, and, um, and, and I tell you all this because today we're going to continue looking at the articles of faith, we're going to continue to look at the foundations of our faith, what we believe, and today we're going to look at article number four. We covered three last week, we moved pretty quick there. Today we're going to look at four, and that's the Holy Scriptures. And so you can read along as I read, um, article four says this, we believe and the plenary inspiration of the Holy Scriptures, by which we understand the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, given by divine inspiration, inerrantly revealing the will of God concerning us and all things necessary to our salvation, so that whatever is not contained therein is not to be enjoined as an article of faith." So let me just say this. I I just read that article of faith and part of it's still up there. I'm going to read it again for you and then we're going to look at two different things, two different points to it and then I've got a little bonus point at the end um, that's important for us to know what we believe about the Holy Scriptures. So I'm going to read it again. We believe in the plenary inspiration of the Holy Scriptures by which we understand the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments given by divine inspiration inerrantly revealing the will of God concerning us in all things necessary to our salvation, so that whatever is not contained therein is not to be enjoined as an article of faith. Listen, if we are going to take this journey 
to holiness. If we are going to become who we were created to be, we were created for holiness. We weren't created just to work a career. We weren't created just to have fun and watch sports. We weren't created even just to, to be religious. We were created to be holy, the holy people of God. And so if we, we're, on, we're all on this journey, whether you know you're on the journey, whether you're intentionally on the journey or not, and we'll talk more about this in a later article of faith, but, but God is at work and we are on a journey to become who we were created to be. Some of us intentionally, some of us haven't figured it out yet. But, but Article 4, the Holy Scriptures, God's Word, um, there, there are a few things that, that I want us to look at, but, but as I've studied more and more, um, I, I've just thought about this idea of climbing Everest. I mean, it is the mountain to climb, right? If you are a super experienced climber, if you, if you want to climb to the highest point in the world, you climb Mount Everest. So I've got a picture of it. Let's look at it. That's just me. That's not Mount Everest. I'm getting bigger, though. Okay, we'll move on. There it is. There it is. Does that look fun to climb? Anyone? No? Are any of you awake? <laughs> Am I by myself today? Man, what an awesome thought. I mean, what an awesome picture that is. And even watching videos and seeing people climb, it's just incredible. It's breathtaking. Um, but it's also like you look at that, and I told you last week that oftentimes when I see a mountain or a hill, my first thought is, could I climb that? And honestly, I don't, I don't even think that's a possibility for me. Um, but, but that's, if we're going to climb, if you're going to go climb Mount Everest, if you're going to undertake a journey or a path that's that difficult, what I want you to understand today is you have to have a guide and you have to have a plan. When I say a guide, I mean you need to know it. You're not just going to climb Mount Everest without knowing anything about it, without having a plan, without having a map without having a guide. And so here, we're gonna pop up another picture and this is one of the two main routes that everybody takes when they climb Mount Everest. There, this is, I learned this yesterday, there are, there are about 17 different routes that, can't, that have been taken, but most people that climb Mount Everest take one of two routes and so this is one of those routes. There's a clear plan, there's a clear way that you go if you're gonna climb Mount Everest. If you wanted to climb Mount Everest and you just went and you said, I'm going to do this and I'll figure it out as I go, what do you think is going to happen? Not good things. It's not going to end well for you. In fact, people die every year climbing Mount Everest. A lot of times it's because they stray from the path, from the plan. And it's too big of an undertaking, it's too great of a climb to just do it on your own. And so we have these paths. And the same is true for our faith. The journey to holiness is not something that we can just figure out on our own. It's not something that, that we just all of a sudden learn or that we just set out and we say, I'm just going to meander my way up this path to holiness. It doesn't work that way. There is a clear path. And God's Word shows us that path. So listen, metaphors and analogies are imperfect when we talk about the holiness of God and the holiness of God's Word. But the best thing I can tell you is that 
that God's word is a divinely given path, guide, that works in our life and lead us to holiness. And so if we're going to undertake the journey from base camp to holiness, what we're, we were created for, we have to have the guide, God's word. We'll never make it on our own. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, start, starting in verse 14. It says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What this is saying, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Um, he's, he's Timothy's mentor and he's writing him and he is trying to guide him in the right direction. And Paul, in this chapter, and is talking about all of the false teaching, all of the, the different paths that are offered, but they're not the main path. And so Paul says, Timothy, keep on in what you have learned. Continue in what you have learned. And what is that? That's the Holy Scriptures. That's God's Word that's given to him. And so Paul says, if you want to navigate the trickiness of this path to holiness, if you want to navigate and be who God created and called you to be, you need to continue in God's Word. And, and that's, that's Paul's advice to Timothy. The truth is, let's just stop and let's just talk about where we're at in our world today. This is, our, our world is no different than the world that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy in. Our world is no different than the idea of climbing Everest and all of these false paths. Our world is no different. There are false teachings all around us. There's deception. Nod your head if you believe that there's deception in the world around us. There are people that will lead you down the wrong path if you listen and if you follow them. I've, I've used examples of this before, but growing up, there were certain friends that I knew that if I hung out with them, I probably wasn't going on the path to holiness. And almost every time I hung out with those friends, we would veer off that path, and it didn't do good things for my life. It didn't bring me closer to Jesus. And, and so this world is full of false teachings. There are, there are even churches, there are even people that claim to be followers of Christ that are teaching false doctrine that will lead you astray. And so the path to holiness is not something to be taken lightly. It's not something that we wander off the path because we're going to be okay. God has given us the guide, the plan. And if we wander off that, we will fall to false teaching and false doctrine. And so Paul says to Timothy, listen, what you need to do more than anything else to make sure that you continue to be who God called you and created you to be is you need to know God's word and you need to stick to it. And so, so the scriptures, the Bible, is God's guide, God's path for us 
to holiness. It was for Timothy, it was for Paul, it is for us, and it will be for those that come after us. God has given us the path. So let's work to our two points and then our bonus point. The first point is this. We see it from the, from the article of faith. We see it in the scripture. The Bible is God's inspired gift to us. Let me say that again. The Bible is God's inspired gift to us. It leads us towards holiness and helps us glorify our creator, God. I'm not saying the Bible is a gift that's just for us to have a better life, but the Bible leads us to holiness. God has given us, has divinely inspired scripture so that we could have the path to holiness and we can glorify God. Verse 16 in 2 Timothy um, chapter 3 says, all scripture is God-breathed. What do we believe about the Bible? We believe that God divinely inspired what happened, what was written, how it was arranged. That God divinely inspired this whole process. And so we see in scriptures that thousands of years before the coming of Jesus, guess what happened? People were prophesying things that would come true about Jesus. How could that happen? if it wasn't for the divine inspiration of the holy God. God divinely inspired people to prophesy that Jesus would come. We have the synoptic gospels. We have, we have different gospels the, that, that are written and they all tell the same stories. They're, the word synoptic means they're similar. They, I don't know if that's the actual, don't fact check me on that, but it means that they share the same stories. Let me tell you, if, if four of us walked away from here and wrote different things at different times, would they be perfect? Would they work together? They work together. They're synoptic because God divinely inspired them. And then we see in Scripture that God is constantly revealing to the writers in Scripture God's purpose, God's love, God's plan. And so we see that throughout history, throughout the, the, what happened, throughout the writing and throughout the organization from the people of God who came together and said, this is, this is scripture, this is God's word, that God was divinely working through that whole process. We believe that God has divinely given us the Bible, scripture, that that is God's gift to us. Now, I want to focus in on, on a couple words in that scripture. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. This is important. There is a theme throughout scripture. When God breathes into something, what happens? It's given life. The breath of God. In fact, we, we studied this through our Unleashing the Church series that when the breath or the wind, when the spirit moves, we see a wind. And when God breathes into something, there is life. In Genesis chapter 2, it says that God breathed into man's nostrils and man had life. Throughout scripture, it tells us that when God breathes into something, it's given life. We read Hebrews 4 during the last song. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. 
It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Do you understand that, that, that God divinely inspired Scripture? God breathed life into it. And so God's Word is not just a book sitting on the lampstand. God's Word is not just a random collection of people's writings. God's Word is divinely inspired and has the very breath and life of God working in it to lead us to holiness. God's Word comes from the breath and the life of God. It's not just a map. It's working in us. It's changing us. The Holy Spirit is working through God's Word. So that's the first point, that God has divinely inspired and given us His Word. The second point is this, that God's Word is perfect in leading us to salvation and holiness. Let me say that again. This is important. God's Word is perfect in leading us to salvation and holiness. There are plenty of false teachings that are going around these days and have for years and years that discount God's Word. There are people that would have you believe that God's Word is antiquated or it's, it's outdated, it's no longer true, or you can discount this part, you can discount this part, you just need this part. Listen, God's Word was divinely inspired and given to us and it is perfect to lead us to salvation and holiness. It's, there, there's no accidental mistakes. God's not going to lead us off the path. If we will follow God's holy word, we will be led perfectly towards salvation and holiness. Verse 15 um, in 2 Timothy says, it makes you wise for salvation. Verse 16 says, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Listen, if you want to reach the summit, if you want to become the holy people of God that you were created to be, God's word is a perfect guide for you. The article of faith says these words, and, and one of these words is, is a pretty big-time word that, that has a lot of confusion and a lot of different beliefs about it. But it, the, the article of faith says this, inerrantly revealing the will of God concerning us in all things necessary to our salvation, so that whatever is not contained therein is not to be enjoined as an article of faith. Inerrantly, inerrantly revealing the will of God. What that means is it's perfect. There's no part of it that leads us in the wrong direction. God's divinely inspired word comes together and works in us and it's inerrant. It's, it's perfect, not in its grammar, not in every single word, meaning exactly every single thing. It's perfect for the means of salvation. God has divinely inspired and given us his word so that we could be led to holiness. And it is perfect for that cause. Psalm 119 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Let me read that again. This is, Psalm, this is the psalmist that writes this. How can a young person stay on the path to purity? by living according to your word. 
I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. The psalmist understands that the way to purity, the way to holiness is through God's word. Do you see what I mean by it's divinely inspired? It's God-breathed. See, all through Scripture, written over thousands of years, it all points to the Creator God, to God's holiness, to the salvation work of Jesus Christ, to the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and it points us to holiness. And so God works through Scripture. The the last line of that article of faith, it says it inherently reveals the will of God concerning all things necessary for salvation. But then it says, so that whatever is not contained therein is not to be enjoined as an article of faith. Listen to me very carefully. If you are taught something, if somebody is leading you in a certain direction and it doesn't match up with God's word, stay away. It's a false teaching. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it isn't something worth pursuing. God's word is perfect to lead us to holiness. But there are teachings, and if we are wise and if we are careful, we can use God's word as a guide, as a plan, and anything that varies from that is not of God's holiness. And so we follow God's word. I don't want to spend a lot of time about on this. God's word isn't the only thing at work in our life. We have the Holy Spirit at work. We have lots of things. The church is at work. In fact, um, John Wesley had the Wesleyan quadrilateral. And what that, what that is, is that he believed there were four things that work together to help us grow in our faith. We have scripture, which we're talking about. We have tradition, which is what the church has done. We have reason, which is the brain that God gives us. And we have our experience. And what he means there is not that all of those are, they they all work together to lead us to holiness, but what he means there and what I want us to get today is that everything that God gives us works together to lead us to holiness. And so if, let let me take a piece of this, if the tradition of the church does not line up with scripture, then guess what? The church varied off the path. If your reason, if your brain starts telling you something that doesn't line up with God's word, you're veering off the path. If your experience leads you somewhere else, we can have experiences. If they lead you away from God's word, you're veering off the path. These are all working together. God's word is a guide for us in everything we do. Worship together as the church. Experience things. Think and reason should lead us in the same direction of scripture, on the path. Because God has divinely inspired a perfect guide for us to lead us to salvation. It all works together. And so if 
If Scripture is the perfect guide to holiness, if Scripture is what we need to go where we were created to go and to be who we were created to be, then guess what we need to do? We need to know God's Word. We need to read God's Word. I I read a book um, at the end of last year. It was called Move, and what it was was Willow Creek, which is a huge mega church. They did a study. They wanted to see what causes churches and Christians to grow in their faith. And so they did a study of over a thousand churches, and they studied all these different aspects of those churches. And do you know what the main thing they found was? The number one thing that helps us grow in our faith is reading, reflecting, knowing, and obeying God's Word. There is nothing else, not good singing, not good worship songs, not perfect groups, not having the best friends. The number one indicator of our growth in our faith, no matter if you're a non-Christian or if you've been a Christian your whole life, the number one thing that helps you move forward in your journey to holiness is reading, knowing, and living God's Word. And in fact, um, there's a quote in it. It says, nothing has a greater impact on spiritual growth than reflection on Scripture. If churches could do only one thing to help people at all levels of spiritual maturity, maturity grow in their relationship with Christ, their choice is clear. They would inspire, encourage, and equip their people to read the Bible, specifically to reflect on the Scripture for meaning in their lives. The most important thing you can do to grow in your faith is to read your Bible. God has given us this wonderful gift. We have, we can know God through his scriptures. We can know the path. We need to be reading it. And if we're all honest today, sometimes it's hard to to get in the habit. Sometimes it's hard to, with all the other things vying for our attention, with all the other paths that are calling us, sometimes it's hard to stay focused in God's word. But if we want to make the journey to holiness, we have to read God's word and we have to know it and we have to reflect on it. So that's our second point. Our first point is that it's divinely inspired. The second point is it's perfect to lead us to salvation. It is the greatest thing that can help you grow in your faith. And here's your bonus point. It's that it's not just about reading God's word. It's about obeying God's word. James chapter 1 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed and what they do. Listen, God's word is too important for us to move away from. God's word is too important for us to to just look at as another teaching. God's word is the divinely inspired guide to holiness. It will perfectly lead us to holiness. And so the response this week is that you need to make sure you're in God's word. 
I, I know that we get busy. I know there's a lot of things in your life that are demanding your attention. I know that we have families and we have, well, we're going to have sports. There's some sports and we have jobs and we have friends and we have plenty of stuff. COVID, we have all this stuff. There's a lot of things to distract us. But if we're going to be who God calls us and creates us to be, we've got to know his word. And so reading God's word will lead to holiness when it's paired with obedience and action. As, as the worship team comes up, we're going to sing um, one last song. And, and this is what I want you to do. I want you, while we're singing this song, to commit yourself to knowing God's word. I don't care if you haven't read your Bible in two months or a year or whether you read it every day last week. I want you to commit yourself to continue to study, to continue to reflect, to continue to know, and most of all, to continue to obey God's perfect word for you. If you're willing to do that, I want you to commit to that to God as we sing this. I want you to pray, God, help me to stay focused on your word. Help me to stay focused on your path because I want to be holy as you've called me to be holy. Father, we love you today. I thank you for the opportunity to come together, to see each other, um, to worship online, to sing together. And Father, these are all great things. But I pray, Lord, that you would call us to know your word. You have given us a great gift. Your, your grace and your mercy and your love and your spirit are at work when we study your word. And so I pray this week for each person in here. I pray for each person that's watching right now. I pray that you would draw us to your word. That we would take the time we need to this week to know you, to read your word, and to grow in our faith. We love you, Jesus. We want to be like you. We want to serve you. So we give you ourselves today in Jesus' name. Amen.